everybody to the quantum shit show we're welcoming everybody back for season two we're happy to be here excited to get started this is actually going to be technically our 21st episode Um, and we're going to be talking brushing up on a couple of things that we've spoken of before and also bringing you some new flavors (laughs) (laughs) so uh we are your hosts jody bo and danny what's up hey hey and uh in our pre-podcast discussion we were actually sifting through a few topics because we took some polls um, took some temperatures of our audience and have uh plenty of things to talk about in this upcoming season and we're excited to be inviting more guests onto the show Um, Today it's just us, and we're going to share about some things that have been on our minds, on our hearts, during these times of change and transition. Um, Recently, Danica, you made a post on your social media that was talking about being in a space of transition or rebirth. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And I think that we're going to ride a wave from this conversation into actually one of the suggested topics, Mm -hmm. that topic being the topic of ascension, Mm -hmm. which, like I said, we've spoken of before in some of our conversations in previous episodes. If you haven't, um, if you're curious to find out more, go check out those episodes, but uh, we'll jump right into it. Yeah. So what inspired that post was, um, I was actually, uh, the day before I made the post, I was looking through some holistic birthing pages, um, because my husband and I are trying to have a family and, uh, or not that we don't have a family already, but we're trying to create an addition to the family. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, just in preparation for that, journey, I've been looking at some holistic um, birthing pages and things like that. And I had, you know, I'm not super familiar with um, a lot of, you know, what entails, (laughs) what kind of uh, having a kid entails. And so I was really struck by a post regarding postpartum depression. And Um, the particular post that I was reading was specifically about women who were grieving their lives before they had a baby or their bodies before they had a baby, wanting to bounce back to where they were before they had given birth. And um, it struck me because I, I feel like to me, you know, as someone who has not had a child, of course, I don't know what it would be like, you know, in, 
you know, after you have a child, you know, all of the emotions, all of the, uh, all of the changes, all the physical, spiritual, um, emotional, mental changes that the body undergoes whenever something like that happens. But to me on the outside looking in it, I guess I was just kind of, as I said in the post, wonderstruck because it, it, to me, I'm just like, well, you're never going to be the same because you've passed through an existential portal. You have entered into another world. You ha- you have rebirthed alongside the birth of your baby. You know, like mm-hmm. you are a different person. Your body's different. Um, you're experiencing something that you've never experienced before and you're not ever going to be the same. And then the next morning, which is the morning that I made the post, I was actually doing my morning yoga practice which um, some of you know, but in 2020, um, an accident happened that left me with an autoimmune disorder that is definitely a lot better now. But um, as a result, I am not as limber or strong um, as I used to be. And uh, I found myself thinking in during my practice, well, I can't wait until eventually I'm back to where I was before the illness. And it, it was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I knew immediately, no, that's not going to happen because you're different now. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing that I was thinking about, you know, that, that post about postpartum depression, it was like, I was having like post illness depression. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I knew like in that moment, I was like, no, my, whole being is different. My body is different. My nutrition is different. The way that my body moves and needs to move is different. Mm -hmm. And through that portal that I stepped through, when I came out the other side of that event, um, you know, I'm more wise. I am more learned in a lot of different areas where I wasn't before. And my body operates differently. And I'm just not the same person as I was. And I'm not going to be in spirit or in body. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just kind of like an, a moment of lucidity for me where I was just like, uh, I've stepped through a portal. And even though I did undergo suffering, and I know that that's not from God, I know that I have grown exponentially because of that. And on the other side of that portal, if I keep looking back, I'm never going to know the possibilities of the space that I'm in. I'm not going to allow myself to actually anchor and bloom if I keep looking back and uh, wallowing in what used to be. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was the inspiration of the post where it was just in that moment, it was an invitation for me to actually recognize where I was looping in my grieving process and actually come to a resolution and make the decision to move forward and actually claim my passage into the present moment that I'm in now and the present body that I'm in now and the way that I operate now. I'm different than I was before and I'm not going to be the same. Yeah, which is so good. Yesterday we were having a conversation. It's like bringing it up while you're saying this. We were having a conversation about how we were sitting having lunch at a restaurant and we were watching a table of all of these like little tween girls they were there having a birthday party or whatever and 15 16 oh gosh they were younger than that they were probably like 
13, 12, 13 year old little girls. It's and, it's hard to tell nowadays. <laughs> I know. They could have. I, well, I, I think that, yeah, I think Keep they were pretty the little, but um, we'll understand a little bit. More. They were so funny because, like, the waiter brought over, like, these little champagne flutes for all of them. And because they're celebrating a birthday and they're little girls, you know, they're drinking probably sparkling apple cider. I mean, I don't know what it is. But they carried on cheers, 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 doing all this at the table. And it was hysterical. And I just laughed. I said, aren't kids funny? I said, they want to be grown up so badly, you know, and every time they get a moment that even appears to be a grown up moment, they just drag it out as long as they can. And it's like, oh, and, and you didn't click my glass and you didn't, you know, and it's just like taking pictures, cheersing, <laughs> they too much social media. But I laughed about it because I said, you know, these kids want to be adults so badly. And isn't it funny that adults are always just like, I just want to be a kid. And then we started talking about the conversation around, we, I, I was like, I don't actually think there are any adults on the planet. I think there are people in big bodies, but it's a mm -hmm. bunch of kids running around um, acting like adults because they don't. It's difficult to say that people actually step into adulthood, you know, by and large in our society. I think people are pretending to be adults all the time. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, we got into that conversation and that led us to how that as adults, you know, the, the comment was, I want to be carefree, you know, I want to be this. And I, and I said, yeah, but as a child, like if I looked back at my childhood, I can't say my childhood was carefree. It was not carefree, you know, like there was a lot of care. I had a lot of cares and I had a lot of stresses as a child. That's what traumatized me. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I don't think people think their childhood is as carefree as they'd like to fantasize that it was in wishing they could be a kid again, you know? Right. And so then it shifted to people are wanting to be carefree. They're wanting to get back to their innocence. And I'm like, okay, that I can buy into for sure. I think mm -hmm. that's absolutely true. But even children are trying to find it again. You know, even children are still trying to find it. So they're conflicted in being what they perceive to be grown up and maintaining their innocence and thinking that, you know, being an adult means all of these things, which for those of us who've reached quote unquote adulthood, we know none of those things are true. And yeah, it was just such an interesting conversation. And I'm reflecting on it as you're talking, Danica, about moving past a certain place in your life and going... I'm never going back there again, you know, and how we often, even in subtle ways of just being like, if I could just be young again, if I could just be this again, if I could just, you know, whatever. And we were talking about it and um, the statement was made in the conversation, like, well, you want to be youthful and you want to be like, you want to have longevity. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be a kid. My childhood was not something I want to relive. Mm -hmm. I want to maintain youthfulness and vitality and all of those things. And so mm -hmm. it was just really interesting. And it's like there are versions of myself that I look at and there are parts of that version of myself that I'm like, oh, I wish I could have that still. Mm -hmm. But I can't look at myself in totality from my past and be like, I definitely want to go back there and relive that whole situation. Unless I could redo it, then I would be happy to go and like change time and change the trajectory and whatever, I think. But <laughs> I just appreciated your post so much because I think that's a very hard thing to do is to properly grieve the versions of ourself 
as we move through transition and change in our life, whether it's physical change, emotional, uh, having something having to do with our health, you know, relationships falling apart, falling away, or new relationships coming in, like all of that stuff. There are just all of these moments where um, we step through these portals of change and then we're like, and I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same again. I'll never be the way that I was. And um, my comment even on your post was like, every day be like, (laughs) (laughs) I have stepped through a portal and I am not the person I was and I will never go back to that being that person again. And so it's like, um, for me, even like reading it and then having that conversation yesterday, it's, it's bringing it more to the forefront in my own life, in my own mind and thoughts about learning to accept this day, this thing, this expression mm-hmm. and figuring out what there's things I want to shift and I want to change, but I'm never going to be this version of myself after today. I will never be this version of myself ever again. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'll be a different version of myself. My body will be a different version of itself tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. it's changing so much. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was such, it was so appropriate, especially for the season that we're in. Cause we're actually recording this show um, we're nearing, you know, legitimate summertime. It's, it already feels like summertime where I am. It feels like it's been summertime for two months, but you know, it's like, we're not quite into summer, um, recording this episode. And so it's like, it's really interesting to be in a season of that kind of awareness and change. Cause mm-hmm. I think we always think that change happens like in the later parts of the year, or maybe in spring, whenever there's a change from winter to spring, you know, but summertime appears to be a big season of change. Mm-hmm. It is that season of full bloom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of movement. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like <laughs> these young girls at this table drinking out of their champagne flutes, there are things that they care about And that's the world to them. Not just that it means the world to them in the sense of like, this is a sentimental thing, but even looking at that statement, this means the world to me. This is my world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, us from another table, (laughs) having gone through a process, we were in a town two hours away from where we live. The peaches this time of year are, you know, at least state or regionally known to be the best peaches around. Um, Texas has its own version of the Georgia peach. (laughs) You know, it's like Georgia's famous for its peaches. And that's like a symbolic thing about the state of Georgia. Texas has a town um, for known for its peaches. And that's where we were. So it took a drive and us from our perspective, sitting at the table where we were, um, there's a lot more that goes into us getting to that table than what each of these young girls experienced getting to that table and having that moment and the things that they cared about in that moment, making mm-hmm. sure, you know, it's like making sure that each person touches glasses <laughs> and making sure these are the cares of those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I like what you said. It's not like they didn't have cares, but they didn't have to orchestrate driving there <laughs> They didn't have to deal with um, any of the responsibility, making sure everybody gets there. None of those little girls foot had to foot the bill. 
it's really indicative of the context, you know, the subjective context that we all have. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that is their world. And then, you know, whenever they get to be, you know, 30, 40, <laughs> that their context is definitely going to expand. And then they're going to be like, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. This yeah. is mm-hmm. the world. This is my world. Yeah. And I, whenever we get older, our context is going to shift again. Exactly. Yeah. In a moment like that, I feel like you can either let yourself really have it and then take full responsibility for that. Like as we get older, if you want to have champagne or sparkling cider or whatever, vino, if you're in some <laughs> fancier place, uh, you get to do the same thing and you get to dip into that little world of, of cares and you know what you feel is important. And you get to be responsible for what comes after and the rest of that. You know, you foot the bill. You make sure everyone gets home safely. You uh, you go on with your life and the rest of the day's responsibilities. But it can either be – you can either drown in those responsibilities or, or take hold of them and then let that moment be even better. Mm-hmm. You know, those little girls, they don't get to experience like the ownership of like, yeah, we – made this happen mm-hmm. you know they're getting to be like yeah we are, you know get to have this experience and it's we're so grown up and so adult but then there's this also the satisfaction of being like we made this shit happen let's right pretend now. that this grape juice is actually wine right. <laughs> and then they get to a point where they're actually so excited to be drinking wine enjoy it enjoy it while you can because little do you know in your mid-30s you can't drink wine anymore without <laughs> taking the next 48 hours to recuperate mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. It's such it's such an interesting thing to watch. It's like watching people wish they were somewhere else in their life, you know, mm-hmm. in all of these small, subtle ways. And that's what our conversation was centered around yesterday. It's like they're wishing they were grown up. Most people are wishing they could go back to being a child. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everybody's hoping for to be in a place that they're not. And this is know? subtle disembodiment. It's so wild even having that conversation because, of course, for me, then I had to sit there and be like, oh, my God, I do this all the time where I'm like, oh, if I could just be this again. or And I I read a post a long time ago mm-hmm. uh, from a girl that does a lot of um, conversation around like uh, women, their menstrual cycles and like, you know, developing bodies and things like that from a nutritional place. And she was talking about like what happens to even in the feminine, the feminine, um, anatomy where women get their bodies are suppressed through like birth control and hormone manipulation and stuff. And these women are Mm -hmm. becoming the idea and the picture of beauty in our world where their bodies have literally been stunted in their development and in their growth. But that's Mm -hmm. the goal is to look like that. And it's, she's like, this is not healthy. Like your body actually has another process that it goes through when you're nourishing it. And so then she was talking about, you're never going to be 23 again. You're never going to be 20 in your body again. And you shouldn't want to, because at 20 and 23, as a woman, you were still developing Mm -hmm. in women, their bodies don't even stop Mm -hmm. developing until they're like 25, 20, you know, or later sometimes, you know, like the body is still developing. And mm-hmm. she's like, you want to go back to being a little girl? You want to go back to being a child in your body? Like, she's like, it doesn't make sense, you know? And mm-hmm. to look at it that way, it's true. It doesn't make sense. And yet there's this thing in us that longs for, we long for the past and the future all at the same time, which makes us totally insane 
half the time in our life. It's like, I want to go back, but I want to have these things. I, it's like kids, you know, I want to enjoy this moment of my childhood experience with my friends, but I want to be an adult. That you know? feels like I'm an adult. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's conflict it just creates all kinds of conflict within us. So, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And that's what I was feeling whenever I was doing my yoga practice was I, you know what? And I'm now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably part of the reason why I am so stiff because I've not really been able to settle into my body because when I'm doing yoga, I'm thinking about, wow, this is not, this doesn't feel the way that it used to feel. Um, I'm a lot stiffer and less limber than I used to be and wishing to be the way that I was and secretly <laughs> secret even to myself because I didn't even realize it until yesterday, secretly loathing the body that I'm in for the perceived limitations that it has, creating the conflict, creating that subtle disembodiment to where I couldn't even settle into my body in the moment and really feel what was happening in my body while I was trying to move. And that's probably why, at least part of the reason, mm -hmm. I am so mm -hmm. stiff. Dang. Right. Because I'm tense when I'm thinking about it. And I'm like doing this and I'm like, oh, I wish that this was the way that yes. it used to be. Mm -hmm. You know? It's wild. It, it, oh gosh, it's such a process. I love surrender. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a powerful place to be in, such a humbling place. And, you know, I heard this whenever I stepped into New Age teachings was like acceptance is the key. Acceptance is the key for peace, this and that. And then now that's been thrown hand in hand with tolerance. And I don't agree with uh, a lot of the new age teachings around tolerance. Um, but I have found over the years that accepting where I'm at is that crossing of the threshold. Like it's, it's when we let everything finally catch up. Because I feel I was listening to what you ladies were sharing at the beginning of this conversation. And what kept coming to me was that this moment of acceptance is like resisting that moment is what the trauma is. Like there's so much of our traumatized memory and experience that is released whenever we can actually acknowledge this happened. And mm -hmm. I can see that it's like a, when you stretch a rubber band and then let go of one end, it's like that part of us that was stuck on one end with all this potential energy that just grew and grew and grew as time passed. You release one end of the rubber band and it just slingshots. And then snaps back into place. Mm -hmm. And the, the resistance, resistance is gone. The tension is gone. The trauma is gone. And then you get to release not only the tension, but the freaking emotion that's been trapped in being so afraid of actually being in the place that you're at. And then you realize that it's not so scary. <laughs> and there may still be things that are like, this mm -hmm. is, this is scary. <laughs> this is where I'm at. And this is scary, but there's a peace that comes with it because you're no longer fighting being there. And then that's, I always heard that that is a really the first step in like loving ourselves. Like there's a space of surrender where 
self-love begins. And people are always saying like self-care, self-love, it's become a trend. We've talked about this, but that level of just seeing you talking about the post and then us having this conversation, it's really deep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we were having this conversation because I think, first of all, acknowledging Acknowledging the change, acknowledging the shift, acknowledging or accepting like you're talking about that things do shift and they do change and they do it moment by moment. Every single day, we're a new version of ourselves. every single day, you know, and I think people resist things like talking about that they're older, that this, and it doesn't make sense because it is a conflict. I mean, biologically, our cells literally turn over every few days, the stomach lining in our body becomes brand new every few days. Like everything in our body regenerates and knows how to turn itself over into something new at a cellular level. And so to constantly be like, well, I'm older, but it's like, yeah, but your body's actually not, you know what I mean? Like not, not at the core of its makeup. Mm -hmm. So it's really bizarre, the conflict we live in constantly. Um, Mm -hmm. And the change, like we were talking about like shifting and moving. And that's why I loved how you put it, Danica, about like I stepped through a portal. And when I stepped through the portal, I realized I'm not going back to that other version of myself. I will never be that version of myself ever again because I'm this new version of myself. And talking about that, talking about the seasons that we're in, but we were linking it too because people had asked us to speak on a few things. And um, one of the topics that I feel like does go well with what we're talking about because we're talking about becoming new versions of ourselves and seeing the new version of ourselves was mm-hmm. the conversation around ascension because ascension is all about coming into this higher aspect of self of life the earth ascending into its new version and the goal is mm-hmm. to do that from a spiritual perspective, people are constantly using that word. It became such a trend to talk about ascension, ascending, ascending, mm-hmm. ascending. So we are on some kind of trajectory of going higher and then somehow also in the state of conflict of, I wish I could be this other part of myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, ascension is such a fascinating topic because I feel like it's conflated with Uh the rapture and the way that a lot of people talk about it. And I remember in 2020, everyone was talking about Ascension 2020. And that was the year that we were all going to uh, dematerialize or levitate off of the earth and go to another Mm -hmm. higher earth or, you know, I don't know, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't know exactly what the thought process was there. Um, But, you know, I have my own personal theories around what I believe Ascension Mm -hmm. actually is, what it looks like. And the basis for that is that I don't, I do not personally subscribe to Ascension or development, evolution, whatever you want to call it. I don't subscribe to that being like egalitarian. I don't think that it's everyone all at once, or even groups of people at one time, I think Mm -hmm. that it is individual because there has to be, there has to be the individual evolution before any type of collective can begin to evolve. 
the pieces and parts that make up the collective have to be in coherence with the trajectory mm-hmm. of the collective. Mm-hmm. So, and I've posted about this before, how um, like individual individualism, healthy individualism must preface mm-hmm. collectivism, you know, personal sovereignty is a prerequisite for mm-hmm. free societies. It's, you know, the healed, the healed individual is a prerequisite for mm-hmm. a healthy collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always the, it's always micro to macro um, in terms of the process of whatever you want to talk about, healing, evolution, uh, ascension, however you want to talk about it. But I think the interesting thing too is how much the conversation has shifted because I can honestly say that I haven't even, I don't think I've even seen that word being used nearly as much as it was being used a couple years ago. I know. And I think it's important to recognize these things because as people, I think we have to understand that on a very deep subjective level um, or subatomic level, if you want to talk about it like that, uh, subconscious level, there are shifts and things that happen in our world, in our in the cosmos, all around us. And as human beings, whether we understand it or not, we pick up on these subtle shifts and these subtle shifts literally direct and inform the the current trend of our time. And we mm-hmm. as humans fail mm-hmm. to understand what's actually being communicated. And so it turns into a hashtag and it turns into a trend and then everybody's on the spiritual bandwagon. Yeah. And so a couple years ago it was Ascension, mm-hmm. but really what was happening was there were just radical shifts happening collectively in our world. You know, things were crumbling. Mm-hmm. Our society as we knew it was totally shifting because of, you know, supposed pandemics and all of these other things that were being implemented at the time. And it's like it had been gearing up for a while. And I realized that there have been phases of these conversations being had since, you know, early 1900s. You know what I mean? Like I realized there are versions of these conversations Mm -hmm. that cycle and we go through these cycles and different words pop up. And they're pointing to the same Mm -hmm. idea, the same change or shift that's being felt collectively, but it becomes, this is our pedestal that we stand on. And this is where we preach from. And this is what everything is all about. It's all about ascension, ascension, ascension. And then it got into the Mm -hmm. thing where people started shifting. It was like, it's not ascension, it's incension. You know, this happens within us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not going to understand. You need to understand. We've talked about this before, right? And it was like Mm -hmm. this this need to try to take people into deeper spaces within them, but also higher places in the cosmos and all of this stuff. And it's just like, what's happening is there is a veil that's literally dropping. There is a, a shedding that's happening collectively Mm -hmm. and it's being felt in certain places that are where it's being picked up on. And then it gets turned into, this is what it's all about. This is what it is. Instead of, Mm-hmm. understanding that we're in an energetic shift and maybe there are words to use to articulate that without trying to um, make it be Bible. You know what I mean? And that's just a term that we use whenever people are like <laughs> trying to say that this is the gospel of right now. Um, mm-hmm. And Ascension was the gospel of a time. You know what I mean? Like it was the gospel of that mm-hmm. time. And perhaps there are still some people talking about it in certain places and spaces, but I think that it has also fizzled, you know, 
it's like not at the mm-hmm. forefront of the conversation. I think people are moving into other spaces with their thoughts because why the energy has changed, the energetic climate has shifted. And so mm-hmm. now we're talking about whatever else is new, you know, um, that's my take on it. I, I don't think that, I don't think that, well, I certainly don't think that it has to do with getting wrapped up in conversation around the rapture. And I do understand that people are likening it to the same thing and waiting. There's going to be a moment and we're going to be saved and we're going to be taken off this planet. We're not going to have to live here. I had somebody say one time, like, I just believe that Mm -hmm. at some moment it's just going to shift and we're just going to step off the planet. I was like, we're going to step off. Where are we going? What are we stepping into? Like, it's just so bizarre. You know, it's bizarre. You're stepping through a portal with the, with the right. new earth on the other side. And uh, <laughs> lo and behold, you step through the portal every day that you wake up. And now you are a new version mm-hmm. of yourself. The earth is a new version of itself. Everything around you is new. Um, whether it's mm-hmm. accelerating in its creative expression or it's deteriorating into rot and decay. It's still a new version of itself. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts yeah. around it too. Danica, were you going to say something else? I was just going to comment on the, um, you know, incension <laughs> understanding and stuff like that, and and the the need to try to change around words to try to change the meaning or to try to make a point. Um, <laughs> I think that I think it just goes okay. So whenever all this stuff was going down and happening, and we were talking about just being human, just be a human, you know. And I'm sure that we're not the only people who were talking about that, you know. Like your humanity is your superpower. We're supposed to be as fully human as we can. I know lots of other people were talking about it. I'm not. I'm certainly not implying that you heard it. (laughs) You heard it on the Quantum (laughs) Shit Show first, folks. (laughs) You know. So, um, but as soon as that conversation started to shift people's vernacular started to shift and they were like, oh, it's not ascension, it's incension. We don't understand. We have to understand. And like you said, Jody, it's implying that there's this whole inner process. And yes, that is true. But the way that a lot of the people who are saying these things were going about ascension and also incension, even though they just changed Mm -hmm. the, the name of it, it was coming from a disembodied place. And so just because you changed the word, doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you actually have had the energetic shift that Correct. you're trying to make mm-hmm. within yourself. So I just, I find that very, I find it fascinating that <laughs> there's all of these external shifts and changes and things like that when people are really talking about an internal shift and they can even very overtly and explicitly say that that's what it is and still do everything mm-hmm. to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the word ascension got immediately um, partnered with the idea that you had to become cosmically intelligent, you know, that ascension mm-hmm. was about, you know, being aware of extraterrestrial beings and communicating, you know, and um, right. being in the field, in the quantum field. And here's the thing, the quantum field is legit, Okay. The quantum field is scientifically fucking legit, but it's turned into let's be psychics in the quantum field and then everything, the language changed and all this stuff. And people tossed mm-hmm. the practicality of what that really is all about 
disembodied themselves so that they could communicate with Arcturians and then lost mm -hmm. the potency of what was really going on. Because in my estimation, mm -hmm. if you want to talk about ascension, which, you know, whatever, we're going to use that word. Okay. But it, it's really about coming into greater understanding of yourself and of the world around you. And right. that means that you stop acting like a three-year-old living in fantasy land <laughs> and you actually apply yourself. You apply yourself to the world around you and you start to better understand everything around you and how it works and why it works. And when you do, suddenly you, you heal, you shift, you release trauma, you do all these things that continue to mm -hmm. peel back layers and shed the layers that keep you ignorant. It's all the layering and the trauma mm -hmm. and stuff that keeps us disconnected from the truth, you know? And mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. It's this great inner process of coming into coherence with the truth. And yet people are thinking that you can achieve this by getting your directives from mm -hmm. a mirage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, you know, I think that the word has been used in terms of like collectively we're shifting and we're coming into higher awareness and higher consciousness and higher, higher, higher. And the thing is people keep using that word thinking, let me levitate further and further out of my body. Literally in their mind, higher mm -hmm. consciousness looks like I completely dissociate from my body and I'm up in the ether and higher consciousness right. is really, um, what we would associate with higher learning on this planet. Mm. Yeah. I have, I have my own theory too about what the higher self mm -hmm. is and all of that as well. But I know that Bo has been waiting patiently to <laughs> say his thoughts on what we're I currently feel a talking fired about. Up so right now, to be honest, I feel that feeling Ooh. in my gut. That's just like a bowling ball. Could be the wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had hot wings last night. No, it's not that it's, it's the feeling of, I don't know how I'm going to say this, but I don't know how to not say it. Oh, are we getting canceled today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great day to get canceled. canceled. No, I, I, I really do. Um, I mean, there's so much here. Mm -hmm. So I do really feel like in my experience, the physical body has been the final frontier. And... I only say that because it's the latest stage of my healing journey. <laughs> That's a quote. I'm writing it down. <laughs> the physical like the body. Final frontier. But yes. I think the physical reality that we're perceiving is really the final frontier. So it makes sense that if we take a step back from everything that we uh, as a host of this show have have experienced in our spiritual slash healing journeys. And then all of our listeners just taking a step back and looking at our world as a collective, I will say um, there is a massive chunk of our population that I have very little idea of what actually goes on there. And that's uh, in China. I don't know what kind of spiritual influence 
that massive society has on our world today. I am speaking from the view of an American, <laughs> a white American man <laughs> who um, deals with a lot of the same things that pretty much what I would assume um, most people on this planet deal with. But looking at the topic of ascension is like, as a collective, I think that's happening. I think we are coming into deeper levels of awareness. Uh, we are furthering our ability to communicate efficiently with one another. And yet at the same time, this brings up false ascension for me because there has been a lot of shit that we've been told to look for that's actually being created now. We were told biblically to look for it. Mm -hmm. And now we know uh, about programs in our world governments that create these massive events that we were biblically told to watch out for. Mm -hmm. Things like the weather patterns changing, earthquakes, archaeological discoveries, like we've briefly mentioned around Project Bluebeam, but not even to get deep into that. It's just like you've been told what to look for and now we're creating it as a society. We have ancient histories, suppressed information of ancient civilizations that we formerly existed in. Um, examples of Atlantis, Lemuria, uh, so on, so forth. Ancient Egypt, these sort of archaic remnants of major technological advancement uh, kind of like in the backdrop of our society, but in a suppressed way. Mm -hmm. So many conspiracies. Um, and by conspiracies, I'm not talking about what the general population says whenever they say conspiracy. Because what most people say whenever they say conspiracy, they're actually trying to use the word lie. But I'm not saying conspiracy to mean lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I'm a, saying like an underlying theory. intent to cause harm. That's the, to conspire. Mm -hmm. That's not a theory. Yeah, yeah. To, con to conspire in a way to cause harm. So, you know, we, we talk about conspiracies. Um, there's a false ascension going on here that has to do with artificial intelligence. And the way that that artificial intelligence replicates very <laughs> precisely in a very sophisticated way what we're actually endowed with as spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. As human beings... We are endowed with divine connection, divine awareness. So complete awareness mm -hmm. and access to that. And everything that our populations are using to quote unquote ascend. Collectively, we see a lot of trends in healing. We've addressed them. We've talked about them. Spiritual bandwagoning where people aren't able to connect to what's inside of them. They don't even... Uh, have connection to their physical body anymore. There's such a dysfunctional relationship between the mind, the the psychology, our perception of ourselves, our identity, and the physical body. There's such a disconnect there and a hatred at a collective level of the physical body. Uh, but then there's also this false sugarcoating of it all. That's body positivity, physical awareness, self-care movements, um, mm -hmm. crystals, you know, Epsom salt baths, bath bombs, uh, <laughs> and then the diet and nutrition things being labeled as organic whenever 
when you trace back to some of these grains and stuff, they're not even native to this planet. So it's like, what, what kind of organic are we talking about? How organic is it really? Whenever you see something labeled on the shelf as organic and we're in this attitude of ascension and wholeness on this planet. And I get, I get being going for the best that you can. I understand doing what you can based on what you're given. Um, I, I don't say these things to feel trapped, but I, to, or to make anybody feel trapped. But I feel like if we're going to talk about ascension, we might as well get really real about the bullshit that's being called ascension. That's actually just another, like what has been shared already in this conversation, just another pitfall of consciousness. Uh, and really it's a dependency mm-hmm. on something that mm-hmm. is artificial or synthetic it's plastic and true soul will never actually inhabit some of the things that are being created to represent life Mm -hmm. on this planet technologically right i mean we've seen what crystal technology can do we've seen uh our government's ability to run simulations predict the future control the weather using crystal technology through operation looking glass and heart machines Um, We've seen what crystal technology can do and frequency attuning machines can do to the human body, uh, structured water, resonance devices. And we've seen uh, incredible benefits and responses measurably observed uh, for decades in the ways that the, the physical body responds to these technologies. And if we don't take a step back from this thing and realize that we are becoming so dependent as a society on these technologies for our spiritual education, we're going to Mm -hmm. collapse again. And it's going to be beautiful Mm -hmm. what happens. But just like they call (laughs) Lucifer, you know, the the most beautiful angel making sound when it moves. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful, the most beautiful sound, um, but then actually going through a massive collapse because there, the separation was never healed. The separation that we have with God, with our soul, with that intelligence, with what God is electrically, which we're learning now is maximum non-destructive embeddability or maximum efficiency in electrical terms. We're electrical beings. And if we don't learn how to be efficient, which is where ascension through nutrition comes from, Mm -hmm. or if we don't learn how Mm -hmm. to be efficient and let things distribute through us, let information be carried in context through us effectively to where we can transmit that information in a grounded way, we're screwed. If we stay glued Mm -hmm. to the apps, stay glued to the technology, stay glued to the trends, and what other people think about God, we're screwed as a collective. And this is where all of these, um, unless something is speaking to you saying, look within yourself. If you resonate with something here that I'm doing, look for it within yourself and source from there. Then if it's not doing that, it's literally just another consciousness trap. That is a false ascension. This is where you hear things like false ascension matrix. There is an entire reality mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. to do this, to trap the consciousness even further 
and it's harder to get out of because it's not just it's not just looking at something and saying, "Ooh, that was really harmful." I think I'm going to go for something that's more beneficial. It's a lot harder because it looks really beneficial. And there may even be part of the anatomy that's confused saying, it's benefiting me right now. This is where the whole my truth, your truth thing comes into play because it's like, well, this mm-hmm. is my truth. This is where I'm at right now. And this is what resonates for me. And that same exact thing can be highly detrimental to another person's anatomy. And this is where leaky energy is important. And this is why we talk about hygiene. This is why we teach hygiene. Mm-hmm. There's a lot coming up for me here. <laughs> There's a lot coming up. And so what's really kind of uh, striking me right now is basically what the gist of what you're saying is that just because it looks like progress doesn't mean that it's actually beneficial. It doesn't mean it's real progress. It doesn't mean that it's real healing. It doesn't mean that it's essential. Yeah, the, the healing um, part is is what I would say is the the core of what I was saying. I think that it is those other things. I think that it is a level of progress, but if we don't understand where true healing happens, then we're going to think that this, these little things are actually the healings. Well, to me, I feel like progress, Mm. like true fundamental progress is really Mm -hmm. healing. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And even the little stepping stones that are associated with, you know, the ultimate healing journey that, that, that would ultimately be still true progress and the -hmm. true journey towards healing. So the thing that's really coming up for me right now is what society is really talking about whenever they talk about progress. And what I see when I look at society Mm -hmm. and a lot of the, this is going to sound vaguely political, but I swear it's not (laughs) truly political. (laughs) But when I look, when I look at society and I see a lot of what people would call like progressive, like consciousness or like progressive movements and things like that, I see a lot of spiritually, emotionally, and mentally Mm -hmm. fragile people. Mm -hmm. And um, what you would call, Bo, I've heard you say it before, spiritually bankrupt people. And um, the other thing that's coming up for me is when you're talking about like our bodies and our our beings in general, everything about us being electrical um, and the process of efficiency in how that kind of plays into the greater picture of um, healing and then collective healing and what we would call probably ascension is that our traumas cause inefficiency in our electrical circuits, in our bodies. And I know you were talking about, um, you know, like efficiency, ascension via um, nutrition and things like that. And yes, there are like very physical ways to make that type of progress. But what was really sticking out to me whenever you were talking, I was seeing a whole vision in my head. I was just seeing like a whole image around, um, the correlation between what people are calling progress when really it's just um, spiritual, emotional Mm -hmm. uh, bankruptcy, a lot of fragile and weak people who cannot even handle Mm -hmm. the opinions of others. Right. And then the um, inefficiency that trauma and stuck energy in the physical body and the emotional body 
how it thwarts our um, organic electrical processes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but all of these things are just kind of like, they're kind of swirling around me right now. And I'm, I, I feel like I'm sitting in the middle of them mm-hmm. trying to kind of like sit through them and you know, what's, what's um, coming up, Danica, as you're explaining, you know, your perspective and your, your process around what Bo was sharing. And I'm listening to both of it. It's like when people begin, it's the same message that we've been saying over and over again. It's like, we're on a journey to wholeness, right? So mm-hmm. there are aspects, there are things that get presented and then they get manipulated, right? So they're, they're true, but then they get filtered in with a lot of little half-truths and things and people take it and swallow it whole mm-hmm. and go, oh, I'm going to focus on this. This is what's going to help me get where I need to go. This is what's going to help me, like what Bo's talking mm-hmm. about, the the efficiency in our physical body, our mental body, our emotional body. These are the things and everything becomes compartmentalized and people focus on different aspects instead of like bringing it all together and in an ascension process, in my perspective, it would point back to a level of such deep reverence for our humanity. It would point back to a level of accepting the whole of things, right? So like Bo was talking about um, nutrition being a form of like a one, one way that we create efficiency in our body, you know, but we don't just get energy from food, you know? We get energy from right. our environment. We get energy from the planet itself. The sun gives energy to our body. You know what I'm saying? Like there's all of these other pieces and parts that get pushed out and say, well, let's just focus on this one thing right here. And then it doesn't bring us back to wholeness. And it is the it is the thing that's going, well, this is where ascension is, or this is where ascension is, but it's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. It's just not the whole story. And so right. ascension has to be linked with wholeness or it's bunk. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel that too. And, and Danica, what you said brought a couple things up. Um, and I will venture out to say that we don't focus on politics on the show, but in the true sense of what politics is meant to do, <clears throat> I think it may be important to, refer to either things that go on politically, political agendas, and not to get too deep into it or share, you know, this isn't a quote unquote political show as politics is understood in our society. Right. But what politics is meant to represent is our ability as a collective to cultivate our soul essence and preserve that through the laws, through the policy that's created here. At, from micro to macro levels. So politics is is really just in place to govern our collective body, which is the, the politics on this planet is a joke. Well, and our collective yeah, thoughts. It's, a, it's, a, it's literally a failed attempt yeah. to cultivate soul and preserve our soul essence on this planet because everything that politics has done for our world has created the concrete jungle. It has created the AI society and it's allowed it to, it's funded it. Mm-hmm. it and it's like you said, Dan, put the thought and the idea in the people's heads to consent to. And then we happily pay for that. Mm-hmm. We say, yes, this can take mm-hmm. the place of my inherent uh, magnetic ability to tap into my navigation. 
So we happily buy and pay for navigation services and at every sense of the word, but we can even just take it as a metaphor right now, um, using our cellular networks to navigate in our vehicles on highways that were there. They literally were there before the asphalt roads. Those highways were traveled. And the reason that big cities and major highways exist where they exist is because they're following magnetic gravity lines of this planet, tapping into long-term information. And these cities are there mm-hmm. to use that information, the power of those waveforms to power the societies and the collective thought in those societies, but also the information. It's like the trade routes for uh, ancestral memory, soul, and culture have literally become the trade routes for all the products that we use to substitute those things now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've had this conversation before, I think, and I can't remember if it was in another episode or when we were just like mm-hmm. riffing and vibing. Um, but we've we've talked about this before. We've talked about um, you know indigenous yep. trails, indigenous um, paths that indigenous people would walk upon to get from village to village, and how they were paved over and roads were put there. But the pavement is literally, like you said, over a ley line. Because those magnetic streams, those telluric streams, the currents that run through the earth are what the indigenous people were tapped into. That's what they followed mm-hmm. to get from place it's, to place. It's like a, not just physical streams, right. but energetic mm-hmm. streams too. It's like the uh, the ants and how they really can't see, <laughs> but they follow the, the trail of pheromones that the ants before them left. Um, which is why you you rarely, unless they're that kind of ant, you rarely see, unless they're like a scout or whatever, you rarely see them not in line. Is because the mm-hmm. path has been made. And so something that you said triggered a thought in me, and it was like a revelation, and it was like AI really can't do what it does to our consciousness if scarcity is not present. Because any substitution for efficiency, which may look like, yeah, this is a pretty efficient place that we're living living in. And technologically, we're becoming more and more efficient as a society, which is this, you know, the collective striving for better, faster, stronger, uh, more for less, right? Efficient. Mm-hmm. But if you take the artificial structuring that's been synthetically created to represent that ability away, then people are useless. I mean, well, they're not useless, but it takes time <laughs> for people to be able to access what was there the the whole time. I mean, this is where you see indecisiveness is because people don't have that true structure within them to give them clarity unless they outsource for it. And the only reason we talk about this in one of our classes, the only reason we'd ever have to outsource for, for anything is if the source that we're in originally endowed with is either non-existent or we're separated from it. It's the only reason we'd have to outsource. So everything that we use as a society is a resource, but the only reason we have to resource is because we're disconnected from source. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so these resources <laughs> mm-hmm. become the source. They become our relationship with the source. And we are at a very, very deep level in our individual and collective consciousness disconnected from our abilities, like our tools, 
our mm-hmm. our true tools and that's why we talked about dependencies like as a society what are we dependent on to thrive yes it may look like we're thriving but what do we depend mm-hmm. on as a society to thrive right is it sustainable yeah this is when you're talking about resourcing it's bringing up um a lot of the nervous system work that Jody and I are familiar mm-hmm. with um and resourcing and replacing um, ill-fitting resources with new resources, but ultimately it's in an effort to actually get <laughs> to the source, to reconnect mm-hmm. to the source within, but using different resources along the way as stepping stones until we build the capacity to actually mm-hmm. tap back into the source. Mm-hmm. And you, ha- you have to, by law, your nervous system will only truly respond to things that represent what that source can create, which is safety the safety and security that our our nervous systems need whenever we are in a resourcing process, whatever we use, Mm -hmm. it may not be the most healthy thing. It may, it may, uh, you know, dependency on whatever that resource is may not actually allow us over time to bounce back, to come back to wholeness or or to -hmm. feel safe. But over time you really sift through Without even whether you realize it or not, if you resource and you orient yourself or you do this nervous system work over time, your resources will most, they'll be the things that most closely represent that original Mm -hmm. source. Well, and, you know, ultimately, when we, when we talk about resourcing, when we're building nervous system capacity, resourcing is actually a fancier word for a coping Mm -hmm. mechanism really, you know? And so we are, when we are finding a resource that will help us to simulate safety and then, you know, we start to repattern and build, um, repattern our nervous system and build nervous system capacity. Then we would start replacing resources that are probably, you know, more ill-fitting for us with something that's a little bit better. And so we begin to Mm -hmm. (laughs) re-resource. We start replacing our resources with better resources, right? And so we're just kind of uh, moving through the layers of control because what we're trying to do is control the situation because we feel unsafe. And so we're finding things, like you said, Bo, to simulate the safety when really what we're trying to really get back to is the source of all safety and all structure Mm -hmm. and all order. And so here's another point whenever it comes to safety. (laughs) is you mentioned it whenever you brought up politics, but this may also, this will ruffle some feathers and I don't mean to do that, but let's just look at this thing for what it is because it brings up the word tolerance. Inclusivity. Inclusivity Mm -hmm. is detrimental to order. It is, uh, the disguise of freedom. Like it, it is, it's captivity in disguise as freedom. So inclusivity will actually be the end of a society that is trying to achieve structure. And when we look at God as law mm-hmm. principle, the um, maximum efficiency, maximum non-destructive embeddability that is not all inclusive because there are things that exist destructively. There are things that exist 
where you can't take this thing and apply it over here and they would happily get along. You know, those two waveforms, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is either unsustainable. You can't just put it anywhere. So God has pure principle. You can put it anywhere. But I think as a wounded society who is disconnected from God, <laughs> as a wounded society that is dis- disconnected from God, we have attempted to turn ourselves into a tolerant society, into a tolerant, all-inclusive society that has allowed complete chaos to where the conversations that we have politically hardly make any sense. And if somebody does bring logic into the conversation, facts above feelings, they're completely canceled and excluded from the inclusive society. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing mm-hmm. as a collective is complete chaos. So we have on one side of the world, we have yes. um, a behavioral programming system, um, the eagle eye to the max. So AI takeover. And then on the other end of the world being the Western culture, we have another form of AI takeover, but it's becoming embodied in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming embodied as this false perception of freedom and liberation, which is what new age represents, Mm -hmm. but it's actually detrimental to harmonic inclusive law. It's chaos chaos in disguise. Just like, just like you said, it's chaos under the guise of structure and it just is not so. Blaine and I were talking the other day. He he gets this thing on his phone called like morning brews or something like that. And it's kind of like it's kind of like the news, but I don't know exactly what it is. It has it has news in it. So I think it's like the morning news, mm-hmm. but it's called the morning brews. I don't know. Maybe it's just a play on words. Well, anyway, what he and I had a conversation about one of the stories that popped up in his phone because in California they have declared bees are fish now. Yes. And we were talking about it. (laughs) Just stay stay with me here. We were talking about it because it's like, I appreciate the intent behind why, because they're trying to create, they're trying to make legislation enforce protection of the bees. And instead of all of these adults getting together and saying, let's create a legislation and pass it to protect the bees, they went to court and fought under the argument that because bees are invertebrates and there's already protection in place for certain invertebrate fish, that bees are now fish. And a group of adults came together and an adult judge said, okay, this is it. And now there's a law passed where bees are fish, considered fish in Florida. I mean, not Florida, California. And right. Sounds a lot like Uh-oh. what people are trying to do to, to and, each other. Yes. With laws and protection. This is where yeah. this is where I was going with that. <laughs> you picked up what I was putting down. It's like because we right. can't get society to get on board with what is true and what is right, we're going to uh, change everything else around now so that we can fit into mm-hmm. the laws that are dysfunctional on this planet. We're going to fit ourselves into those dysfunctional laws to make sure that we have our rights 
rather than actually doing the work to change the laws to protect what's meant to be protected, right? To rebuild the structure. Yeah. There is this uh, whole mood over society, especially in the healing communities, because, you know, they, we, (laughs) I can't tell you how many times excessive tolerance has gotten me in so much trouble um, energetically, spiritually, Mm -hmm. the whole first season I was talking about (laughs) <laughs> how I was tolerant of so many red flags and it got me in a right. world of shit, you know? Yes. Right. Quantum and, shit. <laughs> yes. Quantum <laughs> shit. Um, so there has to be a place where we can discern, you know, and we can have compassion for other people in their process. And we also don't have to have so much compassion that, or tolerance rather that we uh, allow somebody else's process to just kind of like pull us in and bring chaos into our lives also, you know? And, but I think that's, that's on a person to person level, but I'm seeing it collectively also. Yeah. I think what you just said is so important. It's like, there is a distinct difference between compassion and tolerance. But when mm-hmm. I've talked about this before, at least with each other, um, but it's like, Compassion doesn't equal tolerance. Mm-hmm. Compassion is understanding for where someone is or what they're going through or what's happening and why it may be surfacing or whatever. Tolerance, on the other hand, is saying, I'll go ahead and allow that to happen in my life and in my experience as well. And I will step back because you're going through something terrible. Because mm-hmm. you've been traumatized, I'll let you go ahead and play your trauma out in my space too. Because right. you know we have confused tolerance and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so that's so important to distinguish because like you said, Danica, the thing that has wreaked havoc in my life is the level of tolerance I've allowed thinking mm-hmm. that that was the right thing to do because that proved that I was relinquishing my judgments when mm-hmm. judgment in and of itself is very necessary. It is not a bad word. And it is not something negative. Judgment just means discernment. If you look up the word in the dictionary, that's right. what it means. You know, we're talking about condemnation, which is a totally different situation. Mm-hmm. You well, know? And we have to have judgment so that we can know where to place our boundaries. Because if we don't, oh, exactly. we're, our energetic fields are wide open to whatever somebody else is bringing into our space. You know, and we yeah. don't have the wherewithal at that point to say, "I'm not available for that." Right. <laughs> I'm no longer available for that. Exactly. Right. It's mm-hmm. so true. Um, Bo and I have talked over and over again about different things that have happened in our past, the last two years specifically, and things that we allowed or we overlooked or we gave room for. Or we tolerated. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we were trying to be, um, we were trying to be nice. Mm-hmm. And somebody posted something recently I saw and they were like, you know, people who are nice will um, be dishonest about what's actually going on because they're concerned about the fallout Mm -hmm. of telling the truth. Whereas someone who's kind will just tell the truth because they know it's in the best interest of everyone in the space, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And it's just like all of these little weird um, 
near truths, right? Because people are like, it's, you know, be nice. You don't know what people have been through, you know, be nice to people. It's like, it's not about that. It's about, um, how it gets mixed up with other things like what we're talking about tolerance and Mm -hmm. these other little, very closely related things and they intermingle and then they cause complete chaos. You can still be kind to someone and say, I'm not available for that. That's not going to happen Mm -hmm. in my space. And well, that's, those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can still be kind to someone and protect your space. Not everyone deserves access to you. Exactly. And the thing is, is that we have to redefine things like that. Instead of thinking that kindness means I let you do whatever you're going to do and I don't say anything because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. And like what you're saying, Danica, we redefine it to understand, no, kindness is setting the boundary. That is showing a kindness. Mm -hmm. You know, otherwise we're saying we don't care. Right. Well, it shows kindness to yourself. And then it also gives the other person an opportunity to reflect on why there was a boundary set. Exactly. And then Bo, you said something earlier in the episode um, that I'm just remembering now, and you were talking about, um, let me see if I can remember it correctly. I had it in my mind and then we started talking and um, and I feel like I've forgotten pieces of it, but you were talking earlier about uh, collective tolerance and inclusion and how how God is not exclusive and not inclusive. It's like neither of those things. Right. It's available to everybody. And yet you have to do the work also. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're cooking food, and you really want it to go according to a specific recipe, that's a blueprint. You know, that's an architecture. And you are open to adding things in. I mean, there's not really any ingredient that you can't like the artist. The artist is the person who is in the moment and can see the perfection in how two things relate to one another. And it becomes something brand new. That's the God in people, I feel like, my personal view. And what we're talking about here is hygiene. So it's not that different ingredients can't be mixed together. It's that it, it's not that you can't add onions. You just can't take the onions that are spoiled or going bad and add them to the meal because they will make somebody ill. Because there's already other things going on here or... You can't, there's a certain order to things. So if you're making a roux, anybody who knows to cook, you have to add things together in a certain order and the temperature has to be just right. And you have to babysit that thing for a little while. Otherwise, your milk will curdle or if you add too much flour, it will thicken or you can uh, burn the roux and it can stick to the pot. Or, you know, there's a measurement to everything. There's a wisdom there in having things in a structured way. So whenever it comes to society, we have a collective group where inclusivity as the spirit and tolerance as the spirit that's leading the group rather than structure and law, it allows everyone to put into the recipe whatever they think is right or whatever they feel or whatever they like. And it's not respecting the order that this recipe is supposed to be built by. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a, there's a way of doing things. And, you know, as a chef, you're an artist, right? And as people, we are artists. We're collective. This is a collective artistry. And there's a recipe that we have really been endowed with as a people. And we've been disconnected from it. And then told, make this thing your own, which I feel a lot of sense in. But people aren't taught, we're not taught as a collective <laughs> that certain things don't go together if the time's not right, if the temperature's not right. You know, you can't add this ingredient to this other ingredient or this spice to that spice if you want to really bring out the flavor of this thing over here. You can't have too much of this over here or you have to add more, right? If you want a, a balance of salty and sweet or bitter, sour, whatever it is, these different flavors that go together, you have to understand that there's a, a balance to it all. And if you start th letting everyone throw their ingredients into the pot in order to serve this, you know, sense of value or worth that people are hoping to gain, you're going to end up with a, something that doesn't make any sense. A quantum <laughs> you're shit gonna, show. You're yeah. going to, yeah, you're exactly. going to, you know, start serving that to other people <laughs> and saying, um, people are going to say, what is it? And you're going to have no choice but to say, I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with this. Sometimes people will take that and instead of saying, I don't know what this is, they'll be like, this is God. <laughs> right. right. Or this is, this is perfection. This is art. And, you know, I, there is some sense to that. There's some truth in there and there's some value here, even in this metaphor. But everyone knows <laughs> that there are some things you just don't mix together. There are some things that you don't add to one another, um, like milk and lemons. <laughs> Those things, they just don't really go together. That, like, like anatomically, they just don't merge but you can add them to the same recipe as long as you're working in a certain order, as long mm -hmm. as you have certain things going on beforehand, a certain blueprint that you're following the order of. But if you just at the end of a recipe say, anyone, whatever you want to throw into this thing, let's do it. I'm about to garnish this dish. We're going to serve it to a thousand people who are all hungry and ready to eat. Um, anybody else got something? <laughs> and people are like, yeah. Let me throw like a pile, of, a spoonful of dirt in there or, you know, let me throw some lemon juice and, and let me pour some milk. Oh, no, some more milk. And someone else wants to pour, you know, you guys get my point. And so it's just like <laughs> by the time you serve it, it's like, what happened to this thing? Mm -hmm. What happened to this thing? And then I'm, you have these I'm people who, this story. <laughs> who, who are carrying their wounding or their misidentity. Their misidentity is really what it is. And we've all been there and we're all there at some level still but it's like they're the ones who are like well why didn't I get to add something or what about what I added to it made it wrong now it's wrong and then it's like feelings are hurt and it's like where's the facts here where's the principle this isn't an attack on personality it's what's happened here is an attack on principle and that's the one thing that is required to to be upheld in order to have safety in order to have harmony going on right mm -hmm. and it's tough it's tough because there's a ton of touchy feelings here but it's not each one of us who who are responsible for the others really 
coming to know what is true or what is real. And we're all kind of seeking that, but we've been given a bunch of really messed up environments and um, ingredients to work with. We've been given spoiled ingredients, you know, out of date. We've been given tools that uh, we've been given. We were talking about this last night. We've been given tools to build something and then given a blueprint to build on and then looking at our tools and seeing like, well, you gave me two stones. <laughs> How am I supposed to build a house with this? Mm-hmm. Just not equipped. Exactly. We're not equipped as a society and it's because we've been disconnected from our source. And inclusivity in this context can be used as a tool for bypassing so that we don't take the responsibility to create the correct tools so that we can fulfill the blueprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest things I heard growing up when it comes to like the Christian perspective of God, it was either God requires all of these things of you or God accepts you as you are. And as I grew up in that environment, God became more and more tolerant, of course, because God was so, you know, um, fierce as a kid. It was just like, do this or you can't get into heaven. Right. And then as I got older, you know, God was more relaxed and, you know, come as you are. That was, that was, that was a song that we used to sing in church. That was the Nirvana just as I am. It it was just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Anyway, it's, it's a hymn. Um, And it was like, you know, God will accept you just as you are. That's the great thing about God is that you can come to God exactly as you are. And here's the thing. I don't think that is erroneous. Mm -hmm. I think that is true. And there's an and on that. You can come to God exactly as you are and know that in aligning yourself with that principle, everything that you are will be stripped away if it is not founded in what's true. Mm -hmm. So any error, any trauma, any belief, any false identity, any, you know, whatever you want to talk about when it comes to our human experience, if it's not rooted on God and the truth of who we are, it will fall away. So you can come to God exactly as you are right now, wherever you are in your life and come into relationship. Doing that is going to mean the separation of all of the things that don't belong. Mm So it's, it's two things happening at the same time. It isn't come as you are and stay like you are. Right. Well, that fundamentally can't happen if you're actually coming to God. If you're right. coming to God and having a relationship with God, you are not going to stay as you are. Right. Exactly. It, it's like, it's not even one person or another. It's literally everyone and everything <laughs> as they come into relationship, into union with sacred law and God, it is transformed. All distortion is dissolved. This reminds me of the scripture that says, and this was Jesus' words. He was speaking to his disciples and he said, many are called, but few are chosen. And they couldn't understand what he was talking about. Like, what are you saying? You know, he's like, a lot of people can be in the space of where this information, this frequency is happening. But very few of those people are actually going to do whatever is necessary to align themselves at an energetic level 
with this knowing this message, this truth, this frequency, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not all going to be able to step into it Mm -hmm. and ride the long wave. You know, Um, they're not all ready to belong. Belong. They're not all ready for that. So um, same is still true. It's still true. And so people are attempting this. This just swings us right back around to the beginning of the conversation, talking about ascension, false ascension, all of these things, because people are attempting to take true principle. And when they don't want to change to meet the principle where it is, they try to twist and bend the principle to meet them Mm -hmm. and say, we aren't ready to step into what's real about God, but we'll just bend God around us and we'll decide and we'll build a religion and we'll build a, a community and we'll build, you know, this entire trajectory and blah, blah, blah. And in essence, that right there is artificial God. It's, yeah. it's, it's AI. It's AI. It's ar- yeah. yep. It's artificial <laughs> intelligence because God is intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's artificial intelligence. It's also been called Satan. It's also been called Lucifer. Mm-hmm. It's also been called blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's an enormous amount. And I mean, I even say this for myself. There's still an enormous amount of disintegration that needs to happen for us to even know truth at its core, right? I mean, we're, we're still just like peeling back little layers and seeing the truth more clearly, you know? There's more to know and understand. I think of that whenever I hear people say certain things, express certain ideas, using certain words, and I'm like, yeah, we still don't fully grasp all that that is, you know. Mm-hmm. We still don't know everything there is to understand and know about that because words, first of all, are some of the most limiting ways to communicate an idea, which we've said before. But words are just a very remedial way of communicating. And so it's easy to find error. There was something that Bo was just saying this the other night. He said, isn't it so weird that the word confusion literally is to describe something that is discombobulated or chaotic. And he's like, the word, if you break it down, means with fusion. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense that it means the opposite of that. And I'm like, I know, isn't that bizarre? And what we found over and over again is when we go back and look at the etymology of certain words in their original form, they actually had a meaning that is completely different than the way that we use them mm-hmm. now. So, or even, yeah, even the exact opposite mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. So wild. Yeah. So this has been a, a good discussion. I mean, there were some thoughts swirling still about Ascension, false Ascension, but I think, you know, maybe it's not fair or right, but <clears throat> I feel <laughs> I feel uh, after this conversation, what could we generally describe Ascension as? Since we've talked about many different ways that it shows up or it's referred to in, in a popular way. What do, you, what do you mean when you say that it's not fair? Like what part isn't fair? Uh, to put ourselves in a position to try to pin this thing down right now. Oh, yeah. But I guess just for fun. Mm-hmm. What I'm feeling, we, we've talked about union law coming into relationship with 
structure and order. The father, coming back into relationship with the father. Um, so ascension would essentially <laughs> <laughs> be coming into relationship with sacred law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's essentially what it is. I think that it is, it is when we begin to align ourselves to that pathway to come home to relationship with God, to understand um, what is expected of us as sacred beings, how to carry ourselves in a sacred way and um, how to have a reciprocal relationship with God and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I think Ascension is is not like a single process. I think that it's it's like an ongoing process of expansion and um, mm-hmm. evolution of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Which just means, for for my part, it means greater self awareness mm-hmm. because evolution of consciousness is the ability to be self aware. Mm-hmm. You know, as human beings, we have that capability because it's coded into our DNA. This is, this is scientific. Like our DNA is specifically coded to allow us to access awareness of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It does that by implosion. Mm -hmm. It turns inside out over and over and over and braids itself in newer and newer ways and newer and newer forms. What is the biblical reference to Ascension, babe? Well, it's uh, all of, it's all centered around the story of Jesus ascending, and that's why even having the conversation around ascension, yeah, you know, like you have to come into the conversation with some context because we are still regurgitating and cycling through mm-hmm. religious practices that were founded by a corrupted mm-hmm. church and just trying and, to reinterpret them, right? Political system, and it was all of this. People were so fixated on the ascension of Jesus. This happened through the Catholic Church. So, you know, the ascension, there's there's a time in the year that's actually celebrated as the time of ascension because it's all pointing back to the story of Jesus ascending and the disciples witnessing this. And first of all, the story is metaphorical, <laughs> if it's anything at all right? Because we already know there's so many things tucked away and hidden in those texts and in those scriptures. But people were taking that as a literal, we can all do this. And so it became, it's become this thing over time. It has devolved. If you can even believe it, the idea around ascension has been a devolution of what spirituality actually is to the point that people are talking about ascension being like, we're going to step off the planet. We're going to go into another dimension. We're going to do mm-hmm. all these things. That is actually a, a devolvement of what that ascension story really is a representation of. So it's just interesting, you know, to watch us do this. If I remember correctly, the topic of ascension um, as it pertains in the Bible and the topic of the Trinity and whether God, whether Jesus was actually God incarnate, like the same, he was the father and the son, right. Mm-hmm. And the Holy spirit mm-hmm. all in one being mm-hmm. those two topics, ascension and the Holy Trinity were the topics of 
contention around the Council of Nicaea. That's the whole reason they they held the Council of Nicaea was to discuss and try to settle on (laughs) a resolution around what those two things meant so that they could actually form the Bible out of these particular books that were approved by the Council of Nicaea to create this one, you know, universal holy Bible. And so that they could further uh, whatever resolution they decided to come to and how, on how they interpreted Ascension and the Holy Trinity. Yep. Yeah. It was a massive um, argument around doctrine mm-hmm. and people were teaching different doctrines in different churches interpreting and... it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, and the Catholic Catholic, uh, the word in and of itself means universal. So they were trying to create a universal religion where everyone was practicing the same way. Right. Right. So, you know, and again, this is left up to a group of men to decipher and determine and then put out and disseminate to people and say, and here's what you'll believe now. You know, this is what you'll teach. If you're going to be part of our organization, you will teach it this way. And that's really what was going on. They had to decide what the doctrine was going to be. And then if you were going to teach or preach in any of their churches, you would have to agree to uphold that doctrine. And if you did not, you were a heretic and you were ultimately snuffed out. I mean, ultimately, this is what started all the religion wars Mm -hmm. is, you know, people teaching different doctrines, people saying that isn't right. That isn't accurate. There's more to the story, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Nothing's changed. <laughs> it hasn't changed, unfortunately, in all of our conversation around ascending and coming deeper into relationship. We are still um, sifting through doctrine and dogma and um, ideas about what it means to be in relationship with God. And, you know, it's there's just so much here and it's so very, like, deep when you get into it. And I know that it is meant to be much more simple than what it has been presented, but um, there's a lot, there's a lot here, a lot to know, a lot to unknow mm-hmm. if you can even get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not too shabby. So this is our, um, our first episode of the new season. So we hope you've all enjoyed the episode and thanks for your support. See you next time. See you later. Thank you.